Back after a little hiatus on the New England Sports Media Podcast, episode number 30. We bring in Jason Baum, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Communications with the Boston College Eagles, a SID, so to speak, episode. Uh, we're back with one of those. Just me, Greg, on the podcast today. Liam, unfortunately, couldn't make it, but we're glad to have you, Jason. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah, we're excited to, to get into a few things. So first thing I wanted to kind of tap into here, obviously, we're still living in this COVID world where everything is a little different. Um, and BC, of course, had a very successful fall football season, especially under coach Jeff Halfley in his first year. Um, and I wanted to ask you, with that, uh, being the way it was having a new coach and having a good season where the media attention was there, um, whether, whether it was, you know, on zoom or not, how did you uh, go about having coach Halfley and, and his other coaches and, and kind of build relationships with the local media when people couldn't come to practice? Well, yeah, that was, I'd say the relationship building part of it was probably the hardest one with um, not having them be able to come to practice. We probably had, five spring practices before it was canceled. So the media, um, you know, a couple of our locals were able to come in, you know, during the spring and get a chance to see how practice was and, and how different um, kind of the vibe was surrounding the program. But yeah, once that ended, um, you know, and the pandemic started, it's been everything on Zoom. So it's definitely hard, you know, in, in that regard. But I do think, uh, you know, Jeff's really, you know, done a nice job and connecting with with our locals even on zoom and, and creating an instant impact i think it's harder for like the rest of our coaches because really you know we didn't do a ton of stuff um just not enough time so other than our coordinators like it's kind of that's probably the one we, we hope to get them out a little more as we go in the future but it's uh it's been a challenge Totally. So this past season under halfway, obviously a successful one um, with a new coach, what was the media attention like this year for football? Was it, it seems like it was a little higher maybe than years past, but you know, how, how was, how was kind of the media attention that, that the program had? Yeah. So this was my fifth football season at Boston college. So it was definitely, uh, you know, I think the most local media interest that we had uh, along on a national scale. Um, I, I do think the one thing that helped in terms of getting more local coverage was zoom makes it easy. So we definitely saw an uptick in number of media attending our, our zoom press conferences per se as to what it might've been in person. So it's probably definitely one thing, hopefully post pandemic when everything's over, uh, we'll probably still incorporate zoom yeah, somehow. I was going to ask about that. Like, I mean, in terms of access and, and stuff like that, I'm sure it would be, I mean, you probably filmed the, I'm sure I know you filmed the press conferences anyway, so you might as well toss them on zoom and let someone ask a question if they're, you know, from college game day and they're, they're in uh, at Bristol or whatever. Um, so have you thought about kind of what post-pandemic access is going to look like for media? What, and what was it before? I know obviously you had a different coach and I think sometimes the coaches might have a say in, in how, you know, if there's an open practice or open locker room or open position group or whatever. So sure. what is, what is, what do you think access is going to look like for, for, and it doesn't have to be for football too. I know basketball and hockey get attention too. So what is kind of post-pandemic college athletics access going to look like, do you think? I mean, it's always going to vary by team, uh, you know, speaking specifically to football. Yeah. We were going to have an open locker room for the media um, and they would, would have been able to attend practice on Tuesday and Wednesday for like an hour. So 
Um, obviously now, um, you know, we're still kind of thinking things over. My guess is we'll probably be a mix of some in person and some zoom. Um, I don't know if the open locker room will be something we can get to in 2021. I do think hopefully when everything is quote unquote back to normal, that's, that is something we would like to kind of you know, do. Um, but yeah, it all varies by coach. Um, Jeff was going to have a, a really good access. Um, and then it kind of, you know, it, it changed how we did things, but you know, he talks on Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and after the game. So four times a week, um, which, you know, from my end, um, there's probably not a ton of coaches in the league that talk that often, but I think being in a pro market and, and have someone that's good with the media, it's, uh, it helps to get um, our voice out with Jeff as much as we can. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another topic I think is important to touch on is BC is obviously in, you know, the Boston market, which is such a pro heavy market and plenty of ACC schools are in, you know, college markets, you know, obviously Clemson and, and the like, but um, so how, what is your kind of approach with football in BC? And cause I think a lot of the attention depends on how good the team is. So, sure. so what are, are you, pitching like feature stories to local media is there enough local media attention that they're doing it themselves like what's kind of the relationship like because it's probably extremely unique for a power five school to kind of be in this pro market where if you're great you're right up there with the red Sox and the celtics and if you're not then you're below yeah it's it's unique in my career i started at the university of maryland uh and then went to university of central florida in orlando uh, and then i was at Rutgers. so I've worked in three markets that been pro dominant. So it's kind of helped me on that end. Um, you need to have great access. Like that's when you're in a pro market. If, if you're going to only say, Oh, only we're talking one time a week or not going to really make players available. Like you're, you're kind of, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. So yeah, it's definitely, I think a mix of um, pitching ideas, you know, to locals. And then also, I mean, this year was just so weird that, Normally we'll take requests for like, okay, who do you guys want to talk to? And, and this year it was kind of more of like, Hey, we're going to make, you know, these three guys available on Tuesday, these three on Wednesday, obviously if someone had a one-on-one need, we would take care of it, but it was, you know, in the pandemic world, it was kind of a little more streamlined, but yeah, there's always, you're, you're trying to kind of find those unique stories as much as you can to get those out there. Um, we're also just promote them on your own channels. Yeah. So that's another thing is obviously, and this is true of every sort of thing, a business politicians, everyone has their own platform. And of course, college athletics programs do as well. And I know that you guys have people dedicated in your athletic department to, to telling those stories internally. So what is the balance and how do you strike the balance between internal stuff versus external media coverage like what is is there a specific plan you guys have are there certain types of stories perhaps that you that you want in-house versus out of the house i mean obviously in-house stuff is probably more like you know a lot of the hype videos that you know the glow do but but what is that balance i mean if there is a great like national scale human interest story yeah we're going to try and you know push that externally to someone else first um Obviously, if there's not an interest, it's something that you then we would like to tell ourselves as well. But yeah, I still think, you know, for a lot of the major big picture, you know, big time stories, it, that's still something we'd rather kind of, you know, see, you know, sent out another way. But yeah, no, on our internal channels, like look for most of our sports, that's our only, you know, media, um, so to speak, coverage. So 
Um, it's a credit to, you know, our previous athletic director, Martin Jarman and Pat Kraft. Now, um, when I got here, we didn't really have any of those people in place. So we went, you know, it, it took us a while. We got an intern, you know, that had like digital media coverage that then expanded into a full-time job. Um, then when we hired Jeff, we were able to get two more full-time creative positions, you know, in place. Um, and now under with Pat, um, we're hoping to probably add two more creative full-time spots next year. So like it's, you know, it went from not having anyone to hopefully a staff of six, um, you know, next fall, which would be awesome, which, you know, really helps us kind of tell the stories of just for, just for context and like for other ACC schools, how many people do you think are in creative for certain schools? Like I imagine Clemson football probably has like a million, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're the, we're the lowest on uh, last time I checked. I don't have the numbers from me, but I can just share a story. So in 2018, we hosted college game day. Right. Uh, we were that? ranked seven. Well, yeah, cool. We were ranked 17th. Clemson was second uh, primetime ABC game. Clemson brought, I want to say like 15 creatives uh, on their credential list for the game. We had two, you know, a, a staff photographer and a video intern. So, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, but that's fine. Like I get, we're not going to match up to everybody. I mean, I'm just, I'm very thankful now that BC's kind of made the, um, the jump into it and, and given us the the creative folks uh, to kind of push out the content. Cause I do think the reception we've gotten from our, our fans and alums and, you know, and student athletes, especially like they see the work that's going out there. So it's uh, that's been cool to see. Totally. Yeah. I know. I mean, as a 2020 college grad, like, are like the kids at BU or kids I know that play college sports, they love seeing videos of themselves and pictures of themselves. And, and, and so that's important for sure. And I noticed that um, in my own sort of just analysis of social media, that places are, it seemed like it was almost taboo to like tag the student athletes maybe a couple of years ago or whatever, yeah. but now it's a lot more interactive, which I think is important. Is that something that you've kind of noticed or developed as well? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we, it, we have it on our forms to ask student athletes, you know, are you okay with us tagging you? Cause yeah, if it's up to us, we want to, we want to tag them every time we can. I think one of our jobs is to kind of help, you know, create and let them shape their brand as how they see it and, you know, give them the tools to be successful. But yeah, obviously we want them to be able to build as big of a platform as they want. So um in, in football, especially like we've taken advantage of, of some of our student athletes that have wanted to do it themselves. So one of our football players hosts a podcast. Uh, another two kind of jumped into that a little bit. So yeah, it's um, as much as we can to, to help get our student athletes uh, out there. We, we definitely want to. Definitely. So I'm wondering when, when you do kind of reach that national, when you're, when you're on the national stage, and especially when you have a player that's really exciting the world, like, you know, AJ Dillon last year, but also mm-hmm. when he was, what was his freshman or sophomore year when he kind of lit the world on fire. Mm-hmm. What, can you, can you kind of explain for people what you and your team are doing during that time? Because there's a, there's obviously going to be a ton of stuff about AJ Dillon coming out from the, from the BC things, whether it's for, you know, vote for him for this award or whatever. So what goes into a campaign like that? You know, it always kind of varies by player and by team too. I mean, some of the campaigns may be more internal that we're sending directly to the media that maybe we're not posting on social, um, you know, other times, yeah, maybe we are going to post it all on social that everyone can see it as well. It kind of all varies, you know, by player and 
you know, sometimes it's, it's hard. You don't want one player to think, why are they, you know, nominating so-and-so for All-America and not me? Whereas, you know, sometimes you don't want to nominate too many because then you might lose steam to the one or two or three that you really have a good chance of doing. So it kind of all varies, you know, year by year. Um, obviously we'll go into the season next year with some, with some players that have had some all ACC accolades that are on the national stage. Now, obviously with our quarterback, Phil Dracovic, you know, Zay Flowers, a wide receiver. Like, I think you'll see some, obviously they'll be at the center of some of the promotional materials we put out. Totally. What's uh, I'm sure in your experience, like some student athletes and coaches have been more excited and willing to be a part of photo shoots or whatever. Oh yes. So like, I'm curious for the student athletes that maybe, maybe they're just kind of shy or, or tentative. Mm-hmm. Like what do you say to them or, or, or how, how does it work? I mean, it, it varies by position, but we had a captain here a couple years ago um, that hated, you know, doing media interviews. So like I took that in mind, like I wasn't going to put him out there very often. Like luckily he wasn't at a position like, look, if you're the quarterback, you got to talk at least once a week, probably twice a week. Like that's just, there's no way around it. There are other positions like, do I think they need to talk every week? Probably not. So you kind of wait, you know, you vary it out by, by each, you know, student athlete, what they're comfortable with, what they're not. But yeah, I, I don't want to put someone out there all the time. That's not comfortable doing it unless, you know, if it's a quarterback, it's, it, it kind of comes with the territory of a joke with Phil that when the first time I met him, you know, I was like, Hey, I was like, you know, if you're the guy, you'll, you'll probably be talking at least, you know, twice a week. He totally understood and got it. Like that's just, you know, it comes with the, mm-hmm. with the territory. What, uh, what kind of goes in, I'm curious, like from the outside, is there like a, I know that there's some sort of, I'm sure there's some sort of media training for mm-hmm. student athletes. What goes into that and how does it work? Like, is it like a, a workshop in a classroom or what, what is no, it? You know, uh, usually we just, uh, we, we probably present for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes kind of just going over different, you know, media tips and techniques. And then a lot of it now is scaled to social media and branding and, and kind of using like a voice on the social media platforms the right way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, if, if some guys need the extra training, obviously we can go, you know, do some one-on-ones or bring some folks in, but normally it's just kind of more of a, a big presentation and the, you know, the beginning of the year. And then I'll kind of like, we always prep, our student athletes before they meet the press. So like, if I kind of know what I, I hope, like certain questions they might get, um, you know, we'll try and help them kind of say, Hey, you might get talked about this scenario or this play, or, you know, at yeah. least they kind of have an idea and form it and then, you know, let them kind of shape what they want to go with. Yeah. I'm, and also I'm kind of wondering in terms of, I think a lot of media people wonder and, and say, you know, student athletes, Oh, it's about the team. Oh, it's about this, about that. What's the, and it might not be a specific message. It might just be whatever they want, but how how do you, what's the level of like encouraging them to, you know, speak their opinion and say themselves, but also like not, you know, be silly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think there's always difference between being silly and showing personality and maybe not airing out some things that, you know, we want to keep, you know, behind closed doors, so to speak. So like I, you know, at one of my previous institutions, we had an offensive lineman. He was an All-American first-round pick. And, you know, we were he was talking to the media this week, and he was going up against a guy that was, like, supposed to be another big-time player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he told me on the side, like, ah, he's like, you know, Joe Smith stinks. Like, I'm going to dominate him on Saturday. 
And I was like, I was like, hey, man, that's great. I was like, if you want to say that after the game, by all means, please go ahead. You know, prior to the game, let's just, you know, talk them up and not put anything on our opponent's bulletin board and, you know, kind of keep everything above board. But yeah, it's I think our folks do a a real good job of um, maybe not creating a new story per se, um, you know, on the front end. Like the last thing we want to do is talk down an opponent, you know, or, or. try and bring up something controversial that's going to create a viral moment at any at any time which is something that yeah probably 10 maybe maybe not 10 20 years ago like just wouldn't happen you know no question someone said now crazy and it it, goes it goes viral in two seconds yes and and, uh, as i tell our student athletes you know and as soon as you post something on social now like you know reporter can go use that and quote them you know, yeah, totally. Greg, Greg said this on Twitter. Like, it's, you know, I said, like, it's just like if you were at a press conference behind a microphone, I was like, literally, it's going to look the same way in print. So just, you know, be careful what you post. And if kids, I mean, and also it's interesting. I mean, when, when a kid transfers, you know, they're all, they're mm-hmm. always posting it on, on their stuff. And, uh, and the, um, you know, recruiting, committing and whatever. So here's, I have a question. So I know coaches aren't like supposed to talk about student athletes before they commit and stuff or like, before mm-hmm. they sign, I guess, but yep. coaches do tweet like, yes, you know, they, like, like it's not, it's, they don't say like, Oh, we're pumped. We got Jason bomb, but it's like big day today with like an Eagle emoji or whatever. Oh yeah. You can definitely see like, how does that like, 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 is that, so that's okay. Like, how does that work? Is there, we're allowed to retweet or like anything from a prospective student athlete before they sign. So if, if Greg Levinsky commits to BU, you know, BC, we can go retweet it or like it, but we can't like quote tweet on it. Interesting. But we could, but we could say, Oh yeah. We just like an NCAA rule. That's NCAA rule. So like, yeah, now we, yeah, we can go say, Oh wow. We just got a five-star, you know, offensive tackle. Can't wait for him to join the family. Like you don't say his name. It's fine. That's so uh, but yeah, we've kind of gone the route of maybe just, you know, tweeting a GIF, you know, something right. exciting and, and going that route. That's like, so interesting. But yeah, um, it's. Uh, what about what about the coaches? Like we talked about the student athletes and kind of building their own brands and stuff. But what about the coaches? And I'm really wondering about like the coordinators and assistant coaches and stuff, because a lot of these guys probably want to, you know, they're BC and they want to be the head coach somewhere else or, or at BC or whatever. So, you know is there is there a level of kind of training and explanation and all that stuff for coaches too well it usually starts with like the head coach on how much access they want to give their assistants so we don't do a ton with our assistants we do more in the spring um our coordinators talk to like you know the tv you know production meeting every week during the season but right. other than that like we'll usually make our coordinators available you know a couple times in in season but it's harder i think um if if an assistant coach obviously wants to try and get that, like that's something we'll work with them to kind of help, you know, build them on that front. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not a, yeah, there isn't a ton of like press conferences per se that right. assistants will probably be going through. Sure. But I mean, like even social media, I know some of these assistants have huge followings at certain schools mm-hmm. because, you know, kids want to get recruited. Right. And, yep. and that, and that helps. Um, and, and some of them have great social media personalities too. The 20,000 yeah. some of the coordinators probably do and stuff. Um, yeah, we definitely want them to be visible, you know, yeah. on the platforms. I mean, that's that's where our recruits are. So it definitely uh, – but you have to be comfortable in doing what you want to do. Like, like I don't want a coach or an administrator, if they don't want to be on social media, 
I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like our athletic director, I love Pat Kraft. He doesn't want to be on social. Yeah. I'm great with that because I've been at places where my position is tweeting for that athletic director or is tweeting for that big time head coach. And quite frankly, that's as fake and right. I, I, you don't want that. Like that's the, to me, the last thing you want, I'd rather have someone, if they don't want to be on it, great. I'm all for it. Like I'm not going to make somebody go and do that. Um, you know, so yeah, it always kind of varies by person, but it's, it's definitely one that you need to be authentic with it. Cause if not, it's, you know, people are going to see right through it. I kind of want to play play this little game just because it's it's interesting because obviously we've worked with quite a few people who have gone on to uh, you know the NFL or be call you know coaching at the NFL level. I'm wondering who, as a student athlete, would you say was kind of the the most natural like with the media and kind of had the most media savvy coming in. That's kind of a bigger name now. I'm wondering if if you if anyone kind of comes to mind when I say that. I mean, from the moment I met him, AJ Dillon was was pretty smooth. Um, you know, had a great media presence. You know, right away, he's one guy that definitely jumps out um, for me on that end. Um, Is there anyone that kind of like? Think, oh, uh, yeah, Devin Devin McCourty, uh, Devin and Jason McCourty, both yeah, at Rutgers yeah. when I worked there. Um, you could tell right away that you know they just needed more reps with it, but you know, probably from the time they were, you know undergrads like they were you know you could tell they're going to be go-tos by the time Devin graduated I mean it was he was one of my go-to interviews every single week and he was so good um Ray Rice was a guy at Rutgers that that really came a long way in three years like he wasn't super comfortable with it at first but by the time you know his you know he left school early he was he was a pro so um you know most of the guys at BC have been really you know pretty good about it i mean it's um which makes my job a lot easier when they're kind of you know um you, you more and less anything just trying to polish them and just get them reps to like you know things to look for just get mm-hmm. comfortable with it because it's always you know every everybody's different yeah definitely what about in terms of when guys are wherever that i mean even if they're not professional athletes like if they're just doing something cool you know in, in the world how how much do you keep tabs on these guys to kind of jump on to or girls or whoever you know kind of jump on when they're doing something cool like how, do you do you really like have a list of people you're checking checking on you know on their LinkedIn or whatever Yeah, I mean I I try so like I'm our football PR contact so I try to follow all of our football players on social. Um, I've worked with some other teams here at BC. I try to follow some of those student athletes too. I can't yeah. follow it. like. I don't follow everyone because that's like, I'll never get anything done during the day, but yeah, I mean, look, Alec Lindstrom is, is, you know, our starting center and he's been doing food reviews on Instagram. And like, that's when I saw him doing that. I was like, Oh shoot, we need to get him a podcast. I could get him out more. So like definitely seeing some of the things they do, it then helps kind of with story angles and and pushing them out and, and getting, you know, some eyeballs their way. Did you, I'm assuming, I mean, maybe I shouldn't assume, did you travel? I you probably did. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I assume the travel party was probably much smaller than usual though. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. We maybe, we were probably down like 25 people on the plane com- uh-huh. compared to what we used to have. So yeah, it was like, I know on my staff alone, um, like we only took one PR person. So normally we'd take two. Mm-hmm. Um, we only took one last year and then like three creatives. So yeah, it was definitely, um, it was a weird season, you know, yeah. spending the, it was, it actually got more odd as the year went on when you went to places that had fans again, or like yeah. limited fans. Um, 
it was just, it was, yeah, it was a little, little strange. What was it like coordinating uh, the, especially like the post game media availabilities? Because were you in the, were you in the locker room? Like, how did that work? Yeah, I'd be in the locker room. Like normally, I know who. I would check with maybe a couple of our writers if there was anybody that jumped out, but usually I had a pretty good idea of like, you know, who we were going to go with, you know, and then, yeah, it's either myself or one of my staff would, you know, would let them know, Hey, you know, you got a zoom post game. So yeah. it would be and Jeff. So and, you just yeah, put it like bring in, in a front of the computer. Players. Like, with a, like, is that all it is? Yeah. We would set up, you know, we'd, we'd have a room like each school kind of has the room set up. We'd bring right. an extra computer. Um, hopefully we'd usually just ask the school to put up like an ACC backdrop. So we didn't have to travel ours. It's kind of right. one less thing we had to bring. Right. Um, but yeah, it would be kind of hopefully near the locker room and yeah, they'd come in and, and do a zoom, you know, kind of like this. It was, yeah, yeah it was, it was could a new the, experience. Could they see the faces? Like, could like, what yeah. They, okay. I was wondering about that. Cause I think some of the, I don't know if it's like NBA or something like they can't see the faces and it must be kind of odd. Yeah, no, they can see the faces. So, uh, I mean, sometimes when there's like a ton of people and you obviously can't see everybody, but yeah, no, it's uh, like we, we did try when we'd record it, um, we'd keep it on speaker view. Ours, you know, ours highlighted. So like it would record better. Right. So yeah, like that was sometimes like they probably not see everyone, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a weird experience. Now did any in the places where they had fans or kind of the States that were more had like, less stringent rules were any of the media allowed at any of the press conferences at all no it was um everybody it was like kind of a league-wide policy we were okay. going to do everything virtually so um you're elite i mean maybe it wasn't league-wide I, I shouldn't say that but for us yeah we weren't everything we were going to do was going to be virtual yeah so and then just the last thing is what was it like running the press box during the covid the covid season you know it, it was wild i will give credit to to duke so that was our first game. We were at Duke. They gave me my own box. So like I had my own suite. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Like windows opened. Nobody else was in there. Like it, I was like, man, I could get used to this. But right. you know, like our home press box, it seats eighty. Um, we could only have twenty people in there. So um, they did give us like the presence box as well. So we we had seating for up to forty um, that usually took up one sixty on seats. So yeah, it was. It was strange. I mean, there's there's no two ways around it. Most places we went on the road, um, you know, it was pretty spaced out. That like, you know, it wasn't like it used to be where you just jam everybody in. Right. So, sure, yeah, it was like. I mean, one of the biggest disappointments for us, like we served, you know, chowder in the in the press box, and this year, like, we just couldn't do it. So chowder. hopefully, uh, to go. <laughs> hope, I know. Hopefully next year it's back to normal. Totally, totally. Well, thanks for uh, doing this, Jason. Really appreciate it. It was it was good to get some insight on on uh, some of the stuff we talked about. So thanks again. No, my pleasure, Greg. Thanks for having me.